Welcome to The Network, our attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. If you don't know anything about the Green Book, I invite you to Google it. With each interview, we are building a network of talented professionals that you can reach out and touch. Every episode is an invaluable resource for black people living in and traveling through America. Subscribe to The Network. You may need it. But before they were born, um, you know, we lost our first baby. Uh, I was 23 weeks pregnant. And this is such, um, you know, and it's it's not by chance, right? But how odd it is that here I am a NICU nurse and I live in this world. And at the time I was working in one of the largest NICUs in Houston and, um, you know, over a hundred beds. This is what I do, you know, every day. I see it all the time. But what people don't realize is that NICU is probably only about 1%, you know, a little bit more than that, maybe, of the population. So there are so many people who never see a NICU or don't even know what goes on in there. So here I am, a NICU nurse, pregnant with my first child, um, you know, and worried about, because I'm a NICU nurse, like all the things, am I going to have a NICU baby? What's going to happen? And, you know, just having coworkers who are like, no, this is, it'll be fine. And then lo and behold, here I am. And I am in labor um, at 23 weeks. And, um, you know, and I'm just like, you know, a punch in the stomach, like this is supposed to only happen to 1% of the population. Like I, I can't be in this 1%, um, but here, you know, here we were. We go. Today's guest is Michelle Tatum. She also happens to be my sister. I'm putting my family on. Michelle is a product of the Dillard University School of Nursing. She also has a master's degree in nursing with a concentration on education. She is currently the neonatal ICU nurse manager at a community hospital in Houston, Texas. Michelle, welcome to the network. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm, uh, I'm really excited that I have a brother who is doing this. Um, so I'm really happy to be here. Um, so as you said, I am a graduate of Dillard University's nursing program. A very proud graduate. I love my alma mater. I got my uh, master's degree in nursing from Texas Women's University here in um, at the Houston campus. And nursing is really uh, my passion. I'm really passionate about helping people. Um, I ended up in the NICU world. Um, Who I have to actually think about it. It's been so long now. I don't know, but I've been a nurse for um, about 15 years now, or just getting at 15 years. And I've been in NICU for about 14 years. And kind of took my time getting to the manager role. I didn't think I'd ever um, be here, but um, just fits in my passion of taking care of people. Um, What else? I have two children, um, Mia and Miles. They're seven and five. Um, And they're 
we'll talk about more my third baby who is um, not here with us. He is in heaven, but Mia and Miles are here with us and they are um, beautiful, beautiful kids, happy all the time. Um, even when I'm like, why are y'all so happy? They are just happy. Uh, what else about me? Um, when I'm not nursing, I'm crafting. So um, I actually, I have a legit craft room. Um, with a lot of craft supplies in it. So um, I think that's really it in a nutshell. Okay, good stuff. So let me ask you this. So of course we grew up in the same household, but there's about six and a half years difference between us. So I was kind of doing my thing, you know, while you were growing up. When did you know you wanted to be a nurse? Um. I think it probably was, well, I thought, this is kind of funny. Um, I either thought early on I was going to either be a lawyer or a cheerleader. And I think mom and daddy can like vouch for that cheerleader part of it. Um, but I think I decided I wanted to be a nurse when um, Aunt Janine had Amber. And Amber was born premature. And I I'm, was somewhere between, must have been 10 and 12, I guess, um, but I remember Aunt Janine bringing Amber home um, and her being this little baby. And I was so fascinated um, by this little baby who, you know, wasn't supposed to be here, but was here and was thriving. Um, and Amber's 20, might be 25. Yeah, um, she's grown. Yeah, she's grown. She's real close, you know, real close to 25 if she's not there yet. Um, but I think that was about when I kind of knew that I wanted to be a nurse. Um, I was so intrigued by it. Um, and I remember Aunt Janine saying to me, you know, that not only would I be a nurse, but that I would be a NICU nurse. Um, so Aunt Janine, I think if you ask her, takes credit for speaking that um into my life and I'm living it and it's been a real blessing wow so I mean I, I never knew that yeah. I never knew that um that this is one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is I'm talking to people that I know but in getting to listen to their stories listening to them share their stories I, I get these new insights that I just had no idea about so like you really think you really, really know somebody, but then they start sharing all of these beautiful nuggets and you're like, wow. So I had no idea that Angel yeah. never said that to you. Yep. Wow. She did. Very interesting. So, so what was it like growing up? I mean, we grew up in the same household, but I said, you know, we're six and a half years apart. So what, what was your point of view, you know, growing up in our house in Lafayette, Louisiana, you know, you were born in, in the 80s. So what was it like growing up around that time? Um, I So of the four of us, I'm the oldest girl, the first girl. Um, so I think I, I um, experienced what it was like to be the first girl. Um, I, I think I feel like, you know, growing up, I thought that y'all could just do whatever y'all wanted, but because I was the girl, <laughs> maybe couldn't do what I wanted. Um, I don't know how true that was, but that's what my young mind thought. Um, but I had a really good good childhood. Um, 
you know, I remember, I always tease that I don't have a really good memory because I won't remember what happened yesterday. But there's a lot of things from childhood that, um, that I remember about, you know, when we lived on Hay Street, you know, in Wine Alley, um, to where, you know, me, mom, and Lee lived in that apartment. Um, yeah. And just, ex you know, experiencing different things in life. But overall, a really good childhood. Um, our parents did a great job of really protecting us, I guess, as parents should kind of protect their children from the different things that happen in life. They allowed us, I, I think they allowed, I had a childhood um, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I had a great childhood. I didn't, had a, had a great time, so. Yeah. I, I agree, I agree. I, I do, I know that they, did a great job raising and protecting us um, because there are things that we were sheltered from. There were things that I know I thought about doing that weren't right, but I was like, no, I'm not going to do this because mom and daddy going to kill me. Right. <laughs> you know, so just those things. I had a great childhood. You know, I tell everybody um, whenever it comes up that Lafayette was a great place to grow up. It was a great yeah. place to grow up. I, I loved growing up there. Um, I like going back to visit, but I like where I currently live yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I always talk about, you know, peace of my heart is in Louisiana, um, even though I've been in Texas for well over 10 years now. Um, yeah. But a piece of me will always be somewhere between Lafayette and New Orleans. Yeah, there, there's no place like home. There is no place... Room like home. All right. So let, let's talk about your why, the, the things that you're passionate about. Weave your journey for us and, and tell us what, what you stand for. Talk about the experiences that have shaped you and led you to where you are right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I talked about my kids. They're a big part of my why. Um, they remind me of who I should be. Um, and um, they remind me of who I am. <laughs> they are so, they're little sponges. And there's a lot of times I look at them and, um, you know, they'll, it'll check you real quick when you look at your children and they do something, you're like, oh, they got that for me. I need to correct that. Um, yeah. so they're my why. They keep me in check and keep me grounded. Um, but before they were born, um, you know, we lost our first baby. Uh, I was 23 weeks pregnant. And this is such, um, you know, and it's, it's not by chance, right? But how odd it is that here I am a NICU nurse and I live in this world. And at the time I was working in one of the largest NICUs in Houston and, um, you know, over 100 beds. This is what I do, you know every day. I see it all the time. But what people don't realize is that NICU is probably only about 1%, you know, a little bit more than that, maybe, of the population. So there are so many people who never see a NICU or don't even know what goes on in there. So here I am, a NICU nurse, pregnant with my first child, um, 
you know, and worried about, because I'm a NICU nurse, like all the things, am I going to have a NICU baby? What's going to happen? And, you know, just having coworkers who are like, no, this is, it'll be fine. And then lo and behold, here I am. And I am in labor um, at 23 weeks. And, um, you know, and I'm just like, you know, a punch in the stomach, like this is supposed to only happen to 1% of the population. Like I, I can't be in this 1%. Um, but here, you know, here we were. Enjoying this episode so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Radio Public, or Pocket Casts. Now back to the show. And we made, uh, Moses and I, um, you know, I believe in God and I believe that everything is for a reason. And I believe that our journeys are, you know, we have choice, right? Um, but I believe that our journeys are laid for us. Um, almost like, you know, how when you, we were kids, they had those books where you could choose, are you going to go route A or route B? Well, the story was already made. So whether you chose A or B, there was still going to be a place for you to get, right? So so we have some choice, but I believe that our stories are um, are even pre-built on what the choices we make, right? So Moses and I, early in our, you know, early, early in our marriage had talked about, you know, what it was like for me to be a NICU nurse. And we had even had a conversation of if something happens to me and I'm pregnant or something happens to the baby and I'm not able to say, you know, I need you to make a decision that's going to be based on not necessarily quantity of life, how many days do we get, but really the quality. Um, Because as a NICU nurse, just experiencing that, um, experiencing different families, being in different journeys on their life, you know, and some are able to make these decisions um, very quickly that this is what they want for their baby. And then others never imagined, never thought of it. I mean, nobody does, but others having a really tough time trying to figure out what's the best thing to do. So Moses and I had had a conversation about quality over quantity before I was even pregnant. So um, here I am in labor, 23 weeks, that's about six months pregnant. Um, and I, I'm, I'm have there's this baby's coming, and the options are, do you, do we have an emergency C-section, um, and this baby go to the NICU, or do you just labor naturally, and, um, and we see when we get there, and so, um, you know, we had a decision to make pretty quickly, and I decided, um, we decided not to go the NICU route. Um, and it was the conversations that we had had earlier on about quality versus quantity that, um, that I had forgotten everything. The mother and me was like, do everything, do everything, do everything. We're going to do everything. Um, and then we had a conversation about, remember when we had this talk? Um, and so I'm like, yep, I remember that. Um, so we made a choice that um, we wouldn't go through extraordinary measures. Um, You know, there are the 
And the, the thing about NICU is there are so many miracles, right? Um, the poster children for NICUs, when you see that poster kid who was a former 23-weeker, he is the 5%, you know, of 23-weekers, about 80%, you know, about 80% about of those babies don't make it in the NICU. Um, and of the 20% that make it, there's a very small percentage who don't have, um, you know, all of these life-threatening diseases or disorders or, you know, mental, um, you know, mental disabilities and physical disabilities and things like that. And that was just something I didn't want um, for my baby and, and all of that. Um, so we made that choice. I was in the hospital under a different name because I didn't want anyone to know that I was there. Um, you know, no, no one knew. Um, I think it was even after, you know, he had been born um, that my coworkers that I had called my, my boss to say, hey, this has happened. I'm, you know, I'm here. Um, I don't want anyone to know. Um, and that is really, you know, my children are my why and MJ, Makai Jeremiah was my first why, um, you know, and I'm, didn't know at the time and his middle name is Jeremiah and the verse that I chose for him is Jeremiah 29, 11, um, for I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord, you know, plans for you to prosper and to build a future and a hope. And at the time I didn't know it, um, but that became, that was, it was a mantra, you know, I, I prayed it all the time because I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't imagine you, how do you go, how do you go on? How do you, when you get pregnant, you make all these plans for this future, you know, you, you can see your children's future. And now here, there's no physical child. So what I know today is that um, his future is in Mia and in Miles. Um, you know, I was able to meet the doctor who would deliver Mia and that doctor would then introduce me to the doctor who delivered Miles. But, you know, we were able to... Um, able to figure out, you know, what happened and how do we, how do we get you, how do we get a baby here? How do we get a term baby, healthy baby here? And we did it. And I have Mia and I have Miles and, um, and that, that's the physical tangible piece of it. But the other part of it is that um, in nursing, they teach you empathy you know, be, you know, be empathetic when people are, are losing and, you know, there's loss and those kinds of things. And they teach you be real careful not to kind of, you know, straddle the line and go to sympathy because you can't be taking care of someone who's um, experiencing a loss. And then you have so much sympathy for them that now you're physically grieving and not able to provide care, right? Right. So losing MJ gave me, um, it made me, it made my empathy um, be more real, I, I think is the best way I can say it. Um, 
it was really hard for me to go back to work. I didn't think that I would be in NICU anymore after that. Uh, my first day, I took six weeks off. And my first day back, um, I had an anxiety attack on the way to work and had to pull over and had to call in and turn around, went back home. And then the second time I actually got, I made it to work and I made it into my assignment. And, um, you know, my coworkers were so protective of me. They gave me the easiest NICU assignment that you could imagine. Um, but I lost it. I couldn't do it. And, you know, they said, it's fine. No worries. Um, we'll get there. But then that turned into me taking care of babies um, who were losing their battle with life. Um, and I, you know, I remember one in particular that I ended up being a primary nurse for, meaning every time I worked, I took care of her. Um, her mom was having a really hard time with the fact that she wasn't going to make it. Um, very strong faith, um, believed, you know, in God, that God could do anything. And I remember having to have a conversation with her that, you know, sometimes the things that we're asking God for are not necessarily the things that he's going to give us. Um, and, and while you don't understand, you know, losing a child, and the, I think my biggest lesson is, as parents, nobody really teaches you or prepares you for the what if. What if your child gets hurt so bad that you have to make a decision that you never imagined that you have to make? We don't talk about that, but that is part of being a parent. Um, and I think it, you know, you don't think about it, but being able to have that experience and being able to share that with, you know, with a mother that mm -hmm. nobody told us when we were going to be moms that we'd have to decide quality of life for our children and knowing that maybe quality of life meant not actually here physically with us. Um, but being able to, to have that, to have that experience and now share that with other, you know, moms and dads and families. Um, you know, I have a very dear friend of mine um, very recently went into labor at 20, 22 weeks. Um, and 23 weeks is viability, meaning, you know, your baby needs to be 23 weeks before we can do resuscitative things. So she's, you know, right at 22 weeks, um, a former NICU nurse. She knows the deal. Um, here we are. God, God knew 10 years ago that my dear friend would go through this but would place me in a in a in a place where we don't work together anymore we probably don't have very much reason to keep in touch with with each other you know what i mean but we do um and it's been a blessing to me to be able to be there for her um just to talk her through, you know, this is how I feel. Is this normal? Does it get better? Does it not get better? Um, when does it get better? Well, I don't know because grief is, is, it's not linear and everybody experiences it very differently, but to be able to say to her, you know, no, you're not crazy. That is a real feeling. 
um, and you have every right to feel that way. And it's okay. Not everyone is going to understand it and that's okay. So, you know, my why is that they're my children, um, especially my, you know, refer to him as my angel baby, my angel baby, you know, because he is the reason that my, my two children are here with me. And the reason that I'm still a NICU nurse um, and, a, you know, a, a huge reason at why I look at death and grief and the loss of children um, as the tragedy that it is. But I also have learned that it doesn't have to be ugly, um, that, you know, there can be, it sounds real crazy, but there can actually be. Um, beauty in the process. And I think the way that we approach death um, really sets us up for how we interpret it, you know? Um, and it, it doesn't have to be this ugly thing um, if if it's approached the right way. I talked for a long time. No, that, no, that thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, so, I am a huge advocate. Well, I don't know if huge is the correct term, but I'm an advocate for wellness. I want people to be well. Um, so thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, you talked about the, the process. And then just now you say it, how we approach death determines how we interpret it. What is the way to approach death? Is there a right way or some ways better than others? I think that for everyone, it's different. I don't know that there is a right way or a wrong way, but I do know that when you are in, you know, okay, so um, in healthcare, we have bereavement teams, we have palliative care, we have hospice, um, Actually, yes, I think there's a right way. I think the right way really is just to know that death is a part of life. It is, it's hard and it's ugly and we don't want to feel it. Um, but none of, we're not, none of us are immortal. None of us are going to be able to keep the shells that we're in today and continue to live. That's, I don't know. That's not how life works. That's just not how it, none of it is designed that way. You know, even in the biblical days when they lived to be hundreds and hundreds of years old, they all still died. Um, so I think the right, so I think the right way is just, you know, we have to get into the mindset that death is a part of life. Um, you know, is it easier when someone is 90 years old, a hundred years old and, you know, they die of natural causes. They've lived this, you know, you can see that they've lived this full life. Absolutely. Um, is it hard when you're six months pregnant and the child that you imagined first birthday and fifth birthday and all these milestones, first steps, is that, you know, hard and yeah, very hard, um, very hard. But today where I am, where I sit you know, um, the six months that he, that I carried him and the few hours that he lived on the outside of me, um, he fulfilled his purpose. 
we, you know, um, I would love for him to be here. I would love to know what Mia and, you know, what having a 10 year old would be like, you know, what, yeah. what in the world, if I had a 10 year old, what would we be doing right now? Um, I don't know. Um, so that still, you know, that still gets me every now and then you don't, you know, I miss him every day still. I don't grieve from him, but I, you know, I think the first thing to do is just to kind of, you have to accept it. Death is a part of life. We can't get away from it. And I think if you can accept that, then um, it helps you kind of move forward, you know, but like I said, grief is, is different for everybody, you know, it's not the same for any of us. So you can't really gauge it one way or the other, but I think just accepting that it is, and sometimes we don't get to be 99. Right. You know. Right. right. That's good. That's good. I, I know that somebody who listens to this will be helped. So once again, thank you for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing. All right. So let's pivot just a little bit. What keeps you up at night? <laughs> so you're you know, you said on my questionnaire I said nothing. Um because I've really developed this, um, you know, I've, I've had some anxiety in life over some things. And in nursing school, one of my professors would always say this too shall pass. We'd be freaking out about an exam. We couldn't imagine we'd finish nursing school. We couldn't imagine we'd pass NCLEX and, you know, this too shall pass. Um, and she's right. Here I am all these years post, you know, nursing school at Dillard and a lot of things have passed. Um, so I, when I said nothing keeps me up at night, that's kind of where I've, I've had to teach myself um, that worrying isn't going to, worrying doesn't solve it, you know. So there's a lot of things that when I start to worry about it, I, I'm like, okay, Michelle, one, this two shall pass. Two, which is there anything you can actually do about it right now that's going to change any of it? And if the answer is yes, then I'll write down whatever it is I need to do. If the answer is no, then I just, you know, I pray that God take it from me and let me let me get some sleep. Um, and that has that has really helped me just having a mindset of, you know, this too shall pass. Uh, my old boss would say, I tell her all the time, it'll be fine. And she'd look at me some days and go, how can you say that? It's not fine. And I'm like, it'll be fine. Um, and now here we are just like, remember you would say it'll be fine and it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, even if it won't, if, even if it's not in the moment, it's all going to pass. And we'll be like, was all worried and stayed up at, late at night. And the outcome wasn't anything that I did anyway. Um, so nothing. Okay, good. Teach myself that. That I I believe that that is the best outlook to have. Yeah. Um, it's much easier said than done. It yes, that's why I say I taught myself. It is not, and sometimes I forget it, and I have to go. Michelle, you taught yourself this. Get it together. Um, I you know taking years off my life, my blood pressure high for what? Right, right. You know? Just lay down, 
and go to sleep. And let it go. Yeah, go to sleep. Okay, good, good. All right, so this segment, we talk about recommended books, music, and podcasts. So we'll start with books. What are you reading right now? Right this very minute, um, I, I'm i still on Becoming by Michelle Obama. I just, okay. I'm probably almost done with it. Um, it's just, I'm not a, you know, someone on one of your podcasts was like, I'm not a huge reader. Let me not even lie. I'm kind of that same person. I'm not a huge reader, um, but I do try to read because I know it's important. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so Becoming by Michelle Obama, I'm almost done with it. Um, I've picked back up the circle, um, the circle maker by Mark um, Batterson. He is a pastor out in Washington, D.C. And this book basically um, is a book about, you know, praying so big that you can't even imagine the things you're praying about. Um, So the circle maker, I'm um, actually actively reading. Um, I'm a big, um, I was a big Twilight fan when it first started and there's a new book out in that one. So I ordered it. I'm waiting on it to come in. Um, What else? And then there's a book called Well-Read Black Girls. um, That's a collection of, of, essays from different Black um, writers. I haven't started it yet, um, but it's been on my my list for a while. So um, that one is on my nightstand. But I have got to finish The Circle Maker and Becoming before I do anything else because I've been reading them both for like six months and it's getting to be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually reading four books right now. I'm, I'm looking at them sitting on my desk. <laughs> I'll read a few pages of one and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's good. Let me let me get to this next one. Um, I am a huge Michelle Obama fan. Like, I would love to meet Barack and like have him over for dinner. And I'd be like, dude, you you can't come if you don't bring Michelle. Over. Right. You know, like, I really think she is. I really think she was the president. But that's another conversation. <laughs> All right. Uh, music. What are you listening to? What are you listening to right now? You know, I just like oldies, um, but goodies. And when I say oldies, I'm not talking about my parents' oldies. I'm talking about my oldies. So, you know, 90s, early 2000s. So, India Ari and Lauren Hill, um, Tamia. I'm very much an R&B and soul. Um, not this pop R&B, um, but like real R&B, real R&B soul, music soul child. Um, you know, Anthony Hamilton, Neo Soul, um, Jill Scott, like that's, that's the stuff that I listen to. So I probably could not tell you other than her. Um, I really like her, but she has that Neo Soul, like she has that vibe to her that I really Mm -hmm. like. There's not very many new R&B artist that I'm that I can really get with because I just am stuck with the people that I grew up with yeah I yeah I I think I'm biased with the 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 age of music that I grew up with as well so you're driving into work in the morning what are you listening to on your way to work do you have like any must listens no not really depends on the day 
Um, some days, <laughs> depends. If I know it's going to be a rough day, I'm probably listening to gospel because I need to find my center before I walk in there. Yeah. Um, some days, most days, it's just on shuffle. And it goes from, you know, it goes from gospel to neo soul to to the windows to the walls. Like it just depends. Yeah. Just yeah. depends. Most days, um, it's just on shuffle, and um, I just listen to what plays. Okay. All right. So podcasts. I know you have a, a lot of things in your library. Um, but when you do listen, what yeah. are you listening to on podcasts? Um, lately, the network. Um, okay. Absolutely. It's probably at the top of my to-do list. Um, there's also, Yay. yeah, um, I think one of the ones that I probably listen to the most is um, Proverbs, Proverbs 31 Ministries is, um, they they have a podcast, but they also have like a daily devotional. Um, one of the things I didn't mention that I'm reading right now is they also do these six week um, Bible studies. So I listen to their podcast a lot. They have some very, um, very good plain apply this to your life. Here are five points um, on different topics. And it's uh there, it's a group of women, but they have men from time to time um, who are guests and things like that. But I think the Proverbs 31 podcast is one of um, one of the ones that I probably listen to the most. Okay. There's lots of stuff in my library because as people tell me, as I hear different ones, I add it. But it doesn't mean that I've listened to it or given it any justice, you know. Yeah, this next segment is rapid fire. I'm going to ask you five random questions. Okay. Um, just come right off the top of the dome. First thing that comes to your mind. Okay. okay. Right. All right, here we go. Question number one. This is a question I ask every guest. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a hard one. Um. I think I would like to see the future. That's so cliche, but like, I want to know what these what these hurricanes gonna do on Tuesday, <laughs> okay. on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, you know, like I not not the whole future, but I would love to be able to be like I specifically would like to know X. Yeah, it's and like a little I, cheat sheet. Yeah. Not all the future. I don't. I don't want to be able to tell people their life future. I just something very specific. I want to be able to say. I would like to know this. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Question number two. What is the what is your favorite thing in your closet right now? Favorite thing in your closet. <laughs> My nail polish box. Bryson bought me, well, his mama probably, because Bryson was real young. But um Bryson is my is my oldest godson. He bought me a wooden, a wicker, it looks like a treasure chest box. Um, but I have so much nail polish and stuff that I ended up using that box for all of my nail polish and all of my gadgets for my nails and 
all the designs and whatever. So um, that is, I like to polish my nails. That's one, that's my favorite thing. I am in that box all the time. I was in it this morning. Okay, okay. Nail polish box. Question three, describe yourself as a teenager in three words. Um, talkative. I never would have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, I talked so much. Uh, that's what I got in trouble for in school, my mouth. Um, talkative, um, friendly, and I think kind. Kind and friendly are okay. the same. I think those are different. Okay, okay. Good. All right, question four. What is your all-time favorite TV show? All-time favorite. Ooh, that's a hard one. Something that I could watch over and over again. Probably, um, it would probably have to be like Martin, Fresh Prince, something in that era, you know, Cosby Show. But I have a favorite. But those are like the ones, if if I'm scrolling, trying to find something to watch and like Fresh Prince or The Cosby Show or Martin is on, I'm definitely going to stop scrolling to watch it. And it doesn't matter if I've seen it 500 times, I'm still going to watch it. Yeah, yeah, those are those are good ones. Those are good ones. For I can watch those. I actually still record The Cosby Show. Yeah. So it's it's still I don't even know what channel it's on. I just got it set to record. So a couple of times a week I watch a couple of episodes. That and uh Golden Girls. No, yeah, Golden Girls is a good one. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know why I like Golden Girls so much, but Golden Girls is, is funny. It's funny. All right, here yeah. we go. Last question, question number five. What is the one thing? that annoys you the most? Um, having to explain myself over and over again and like people just, you just don't get it. And then I explain, I, and then I'm like, okay, maybe I explained it wrong. So then I try a different approach. And you, yeah, I can't stand having to, uh, one, I think just explain myself. That's annoying. Um, But then having to do it more than once, mm -mm. I'm annoyed. I'm getting annoyed. Just Just think about it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I'm annoyed right now. I'm thinking about one of my children who always wants to know why. But anyway, all right, good. That was rapid. I think I know which one that is. I'm sure you do. (laughs) I'm sure you do. All right, this last segment is called You Didn't Ask. What unsolicited advice would you like to share for this segment entitled You Didn't Ask? You Didn't Ask. Yeah, and I say this with all the love in my heart, but I am going to stick to my death and grieving um, theme here. And I am going to say um, that when someone loses someone, don't tell them it was for the best. 
just offer your condolences and move on. Um, it is not helpful to someone that early in the grieving process to hear it was for the best um, because that's not where anyone is one day, two weeks after losing a loved one. So don't tell people it was for the best. Just say, I'm sorry. And I don't have any other words. If you don't have words, you just, I don't have anything. I, I'm so sorry. And I don't have anything else to say right now. Let me know if you need me for anything. Not it was for the best. Not it's they're in a better place. Um, been there, done that. And it, it made me angry. So you didn't ask, but don't tell people it was for the best. There it is. Michelle Tatum, <laughs> NICU nurse manager. Thank you for joining the network today. I truly, truly appreciate you sharing with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs>